the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. And that's what God is trying to convince the world of. And how does he do it? He gives the world a little taste of hell. This is where this is going for you if you don't repent. This is where this is going to end up. This is what it's going to be like forever and ever, weeping and gnashing of teeth, everlasting fire. And one would think that those who survived the tribulation up to this point would learn a lesson from the billions of people who have perished. One of God's most notable characteristics is His patience. He was patient in the Old Testament when it came to the Israelites and their wandering in the wilderness. Jesus was patient with His disciples throughout the three years He did ministry with them. In today's message, Pastor Dan will be talking about how God's patience plays out in the book of Revelation. God is a God of mercy and grace, but He is also a God of justice. He says there will be a time where He must exercise His justice over all of creation. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 9 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. I believe that this is a demonic army, like the locusts described in the first part of chapter 9. I think this is describing just a second demonic invasion of the earth, like we saw earlier in the chapter. If you disagree with that, that's fine. I'm not going to go to the mat on that one. So don't come up to me after the service and try to convince me it's China, and you know that it's China. I'm not going to be here, right? We're not going to be here. So I don't really care who it is, whether it's China or not, demons, that's fine. Now, verse 17, John describes the characteristics of this demonic army, these creatures. This is another reason why I don't think it's a human army, because of the description. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. He describes them here as horses, but these are not like any horses we've ever seen on the earth. It's not like the pony ride at the fair. But you know, one thing that I think is important for us here is to understand kind of the mindset of those living in the ancient Near East at that time. Uh, For them, language was much more uh, descriptive than it is in English. With their words and their description they not only are describing just what it looked like, but there's also kind of a meaning in that description of what they're describing. They kind of painted a picture with their words. And I'll illustrate to you what I mean. If you think of the attributes of Jesus Christ and how we would describe Jesus Christ, we would describe him maybe as a protector, 
a provider, a guide who guides us. You know, he cares for us. And that's all true. That's how we would describe it, you know, as Westerners. Here's how the Bible describes Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a picture. And by calling him a shepherd, we get the picture. Okay, he's a provider. He's a guide. He cares for me. Like, I understand. I get a picture now in my mind of what a shepherd is and picturing Jesus as a shepherd. You can't picture in your mind a provider, right? No picture pops in your mind for that. That's how the Hebrew language works. That's how the the language worked in the ancient Near East. They're not just describing what it physically looked like. They're painting a picture for us so that we get a sense of maybe the emotion that it provokes in a person uh, seeing this. You know, what is a demon that looks like a horse? What kind of emotion does that provoke in a person seeing that image? Well, uh, horses in that time, ancient Near East, were considered fierce, they were considered powerful, they were considered terrifying. And that's what it's provoking in the reader's mind when they read that these look like horses. And I want to show you what I mean. Go back to Job chapter 39, verse 19. This is God speaking to Job. Verse 19, have you given the horse strength? Now watch what it says. Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you frighten him like a locust? His majestic snorting strikes terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He gallops into the clash of arms. He mocks at fear and is not frightened. Nor does he turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the glittering spear and javelin. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage. Nor does he come to a halt because the trumpet has sounded. At the blast of the trumpet, he says, Aha! He smells the battle from afar, the thunder of captains and shouting. This is a horse in their mind. And so in chapter 9, when it describes these demons as horse-like, this is what comes to mind for them. Something terrifying. Something frightening. You know, his neck with thunder, majestic snorting that strikes terror. He mocks fear. This could describe the demons of chapter 9. Mocks fear. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage. That's a horse in their mind. About 10 years ago, my wife and I took our family camping at Assateague Island. Any of you guys ever been to Assateague Island? Yeah, to go see the wild ponies. At the time, my oldest son was about four, my middle son was about two, and my youngest son was a baby. And we totally hyped this trip to our kids about there's wild ponies, you can see horses everywhere, they just live there on this island. We read Misty of Chincoteague to them, we listened to Misty of Chincoteague on CD, on our way down to Assateague Island, and they're so excited about going and camping, and there's going to be horses everywhere. And of course, you know what happens. You get there, you can't find any horses anywhere once you get there. And your children, because they're so young, every bush is possibly a horse. Is that a horse? Is that? No, that's a trash can. It's not a horse. You know, they think everything's a horse. So we get there, we get our camp set up, And I take our kids on a little walk. They have these paved trails through the park there. And I've got my two younger kids in a a double stroller. My four-year-old is on his bicycle with training wheels, you know, just going along. 
And we're on this paved trail and looking for horses, and there's no horses anywhere. And my four-year-old pedals up ahead, maybe 20 or 30 yards ahead of me on the trail. And we're looking for horses. And all of a sudden, I hear someone yell, watch out! And I turn around, and there's these two horses galloping full speed on the trail towards me. Just, just as it says here, uh, devouring the distance with fierceness and rage, raging towards me. And, I see, and they come, and my four-year-old is too far ahead of me to get to him in time. And so I yell to my four-year-old, just stay still, don't move, don't try to get out of the way, just stay still. And these horses come blowing by me at a full gallop, and one horse passes on one side of my son's bike, and one horse passes on the other side. I mean, close enough for him to, you know, hair blowing back kind of thing. <laughs> Terrifying. After that, my four-year-old was afraid of every horse we saw for the rest of the week. That's how Scripture describes a horse. That's the feeling a horse strikes in a person in the Bible. That's the demons of chapter 9. Raging. Fearless. The majestic snorting that strikes terror. That's the demons of chapter 9. That's, that's, the, that's the feeling that people would get in that day reading about these demons in chapter 9. But not only do they have bodies like horses, if you go back to chapter 9, it says also that they have heads like lions. Heads like lions, it says. Now, what does the Bible say about lions? Again, we want to know what's, what's the context here? What, is the, what do they think when they read this living in John's day? Well, there's several places that talk about lions in the Bible. You read where David and Samson both fought lions. You read in Isaiah, for example, where the people were fearful of being attacked by a lion when they're traveling. And so people were afraid to travel from town to town because there were lions in the land and you could be attacked uh, by a lion. One of the things that you see as maybe the most common description of lions in the Old Testament, they're described as tearing their prey to pieces and no one can stop them. You see that a couple times in the Old Testament. Tearing their prey to pieces and no one can stop them. That's the demons of chapter 9. That's the terror that it's going to strike in people. Where these demons come and they are commanded to kill a third of the earth's population. And it strikes fear in humanity. And they're tearing humanity to pieces. And ain't nobody going to stop them. There's nothing you can do to slow them down at all. If you look again in chapter 9, it says... Out of their mouth comes fire, smoke, and brimstone. If you remember, God rained fire and brimstone down on Sodom and destroyed Sodom. In verse 18, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouth. So these three separate plagues bring death to a third of mankind. Man will be consumed by fire. Man will be suffocated by smoke, and man will be poisoned by sulfurous gases. And that's how a third of the population is going to be wiped out during this part of the Great Tribulation. 
Verse 19 says, For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. So death is in their mouth and their tails. Glad I'm not going to be here to see this. Uh, Finally, verse 20 and 21. But the rest of mankind, the other two-thirds, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. They can't do anything for you. And they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Verses 20 and 21 tell us a little bit about the tribulation period and why God puts the earth and puts the world through the tribulation period. The purpose of the tribulation period and these judgments that we've been reading about coming upon the earth is to bring people to repentance. God's not willing that anyone would perish in their sins and go to hell, but his desire is that all would come to repentance and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's his desire for each of us. And God puts the world through this tribulation to try to bring the world to a place where the world repents. And what does it mean to repent? It means to turn from your sin and to turn to God for salvation and start living for God, for Jesus Christ. And God pours out this time of wrath, not because he takes pleasure in wrath and not because he takes pleasure in the death of the wicked, it says in Ezekiel 33. He pours out his wrath in order to warn the world that sin and living in defiance to God and living in rebellion to God, it leads only to judgment and it leads to destruction and it leads to hell ultimately. And that's what God is trying to convince the world of. And how does he do it? He gives the world a little taste of hell. This is where this is going for you. If you don't repent, this is where this is going to end up. This is what it's going to be like forever and ever. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, everlasting fire. And one would think that those who survived the tribulation up to this point would learn a lesson from the billions of people who have perished in the tribulation period up to this point that they would learn by seeing what has happened to the world and what has happened to all these other people and how they have perished. And you would think that this would bring the world to its knees and that the world would repent, but people don't. They don't. That's what it tells us. 
Verses 20 and 21 tells us that the majority of the world at this time will refuse to repent and turn to God for salvation. In spite of all the devastation, in spite of all the destruction and all of the death that the world experiences, they don't repent. They don't change. They don't turn. And look what it says in verse 20. It says, those who were not killed in the sixth trumpet judgment, the two-thirds that lived, don't miss this, they continue to worship, so they're not atheists, they're not agnostic. The world's not just filled with atheists during the tribulation period. But they continue to worship, it says, demons and idols. The world is worshiping demons during the tribulation period. Wait a minute, Pastor Dan, didn't you, haven't you been telling us that demons are destroying the world? Yes. They are worshiping the very thing that is destroying the world and killing them. They're worshiping demons. They're worshiping the thing that is destroying everything that they know. Now, we can sit here and we think, that sounds insane. Who would do that? Who would worship the thing and continue in the thing that is destroying their life? There's a lot of people that do that. There's a lot of people that do that. You know people that do that. It just continue on in the very thing that is killing them and destroying them, the, the sin that is destroying their life or destroying their family, and they know that it is, and they just continue on in it. People do that all the time. If you remember, you don't have to turn there, but there's a story in the Old Testament that you're probably familiar with. In the days of Elijah the prophet, when the children of Israel began to worship Baal, this false god, and they believed that Baal caused the rain to fall to water their crops and would prosper their crops. They were an agrarian society. So they started worshiping Baal, the god of rain. So what did the Lord Yahweh do? He sent a drought for three years to teach them a lesson, to show them Baal's not really the god of rain. I am. And so for three years, it didn't rain in Israel. And after three years, their land is ruined. It's devastated. Everything's destroyed. And at the end of three years, you remember the story? Elijah the prophet calls all the people of Israel together at Mount Carmel, along with the prophets of Baal. And Elijah, he says to the people that are gathered there, he says to them in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, he says, How long will you falter between two opinions? You know, how long will you dance or hop or waffle between two opinions? If the Lord Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Elijah gathers the whole nation together and he says, you need to choose. Quit waffling. If the Lord Jehovah is God, worship him. If Baal is your God, then worship him. But quit riding the fence and make a choice and make a decision. And you would think, considering they've come through this three years of drought and everything is destroyed, you would think at this point they would say, Baal's not God. It hasn't rained for three years. He's destroyed us. Worshiping Baal ruined us. We don't want anything to do with Baal. But you know what it says? 
it says that the people said nothing. When Elijah said, if the Lord is God, worship him. If Baal is God, worship him. It says the people sat in silence. Why? Because they still wanted to worship Baal. Why would you want to worship Baal? He's ruined everything in your life. But they still do because people are crazy that way. They are. When it comes to sin, they're crazy. They're twisted. It twists your mind. Sin twists your mind. Where you don't think right. And you will continue in something that is destroying your life. Or destroying your family. And you'll still want it. During the tribulation period, even though demons by the hundreds of millions are killing people on the earth, people are going to worship demons, it says. (laughs) They're going to worship demons. They're not going to repent in spite of everything that's happening, which shows us, it shows us really the true condition of man's heart. That the fact is, man loves darkness rather than light, Jesus said, because his deeds are evil. The man just loves his sin. No matter how destructive it is to him, man just loves darkness. He just loves his sin, and his heart is desperately wicked. And this just shows how hard the heart of man is when the whole world now lies in ruins And they have the opportunity to repent and have their sins forgiven by God and have and be reconciled to God and escape hell. And they refuse to do it. Now, look at verse 21, and we're almost finished here. Verse 21 tells us what will characterize the world during the tribulation period because the world does not repent. The world will be characterized by murder, just the devaluing of human life. Sorceries, that's the Greek word pharmakia. We get the word pharmacy from that. It's talking about the use of drugs. Sexual immorality, that's the Greek word pornea. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Pornography. It's talking about any kind of sexual immorality. And theft. This is what will characterize the world, an unrepentant world, during the tribulation period. Can you imagine living in a world that is full of murder, drug use, sexual immorality, and theft? Yeah, you can, can't you? (laughs) Sounds like the world we're living in. That's what characterizes a, a nation or a world that is unrepentant, that refuses to turn to God. That's what characterizes an individual's life who refuses to turn to God. Their life quite often is characterized by these things. And here's the deal. This is the end. Jesus died on the cross for us so that we don't have to go through this stuff. So that you don't have to experience tribulation. So you don't have to experience the wrath of God and the judgment of God. So that you don't have to go to hell. He's giving the world a taste of hell here so that the world would turn from that and turn to God because they would want salvation more than hell. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood so that we don't have to go to hell, so that we don't have to experience these things. But to receive God's forgiveness and salvation, you have to repent. 
You have to turn your life from the way that it's going, and you have to turn to Jesus Christ and receive Him as your Lord and Savior to experience His forgiveness and salvation. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Revelation, and he has more to share with you next time. How is your heart doing as you listen to these teachings about the future? If you're in need of prayer for any reason, would you be willing to give us a call and talk with us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever might be weighing on you. Our number is 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from the culminating final book of the Bible, Revelation. Pastor Dan has much more to share from this book, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue learning and growing, appreciating what God wants us to see from His Word. We hope you'll tune in then and be a part of our listening audience. Continue searching for what God has for you to see here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that cry. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.